0: lace up those cleats, and put on those mitts, it's time for another exciting edition of our Little Yankees podcast. Stepping up to the mic, it's the OLIP team. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Today is Monday, August 23rd, and we are back. After a few weeks off that actually seemingly helped the New York Yankees, the OLIP crew, is here to break it all down i'm julian coltry joining alongside as always the dynamic duo josh levin what up what up and eric ray sepulveda how's
1: it going everyone
0: should be going great it's the first podcast for us in a little bit over 10 days at this point and you know what the fact is maybe we Should have taken off from doing all lips sooner, which E-Ray definitely, definitely believes because the New York York Yankees during our absence have gone on a win streak that pretty much coincided with our last episode. Uh, We came back and did the pod the day after the Baltimore Orioles beat them two weeks ago, and now they're on a win streak ever since that moment, pretty much.
2: Yep. Um, I mean, they lost one game. After that, right, uh, yep. at the Field of Dreams. But other than that, it's been all wins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, talk about a turnaround. Jeez, I mean, how, how much fun is this now?
0: It's unbelievable. I, I mean, it's for, for the 2021 New York Yankees, I don't think you could say that there has been a moment in the season in which, A, they've played as good baseball as this, but have been as entertaining and fun. Now it almost feels almost like they step on the field and have a chance to win every game, as opposed to what it did feel like earlier in the year, which is as soon as they step on the field, they lost.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally every time, I mean, today we're reversing a very good team, but every time I want to turn them on every night, I expect them to win. And like you said, Jules, that's so different, man. I mean, it's, uh, you, we're just so happy now, you know what I mean? Like, this is the team.
0: A loss for words.
1: Yeah, this it really is, because this is the team that we expected. And when, again, you can go back to that July 4th date where we lost that first game. I think Chapman blew it against the Mets. And then it's like, wow, this season really is toast. And then they had some heartbreakers after that with the Altuve that we all shared together in that bar. And just, like, all of a sudden, man, this where they're on a nine-game winning streak, and I don't – I'm not. I don't want to say they're they're doing well right now. I'm not going to say they're back because they're still a big week ahead of us, and I don't want to, you know, get ahead. At of least
0: us. you're. At least you're not saying they're back because uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I've know. tweeted. I've tweeted they're back at least six times during this win streak. So. I think you
1: tweet they're back every inning now at this. no yeah,
0: you're right. I do.
1: <laughs> hey, it's look. Listen again. We deserve to be angry with this damn team. Yes. In a couple months. Like, no one can say – like, I don't care about the positive Yankee fans saying, like, oh, we always knew they were going to come back. No. Like, we didn't know. And they finally made the moves. And now, hey, guys, we can be happy now. We can still be angry back then and still be happy now. Yeah. This is our team. We all want the same thing. And, yeah, man, life is good right now as Yankees. Yeah. And that's, I hope it continues.
2: I just want say to say, too, like, because I see and I hear a lot of stuff about that, how – you know, Oh, the Yankee fans, they were so upset. And now look at everything. It's like, you are allowed to have an opinion on something in the moment. And then also recognize that it could change. And that the fact that, you know, it did change, doesn't mean that we were wrong. The numbers backed up what all of we, what all of us said, what all the Yankee fans were thinking at, you know, the first couple months uh, of the season, the numbers backed it up. They were a, a bad, boring team to watch. And yes, the turnaround started before the trade deadline. But make no mistake, if they hadn't made the moves that they did, meaning Rizzo and Gallo, this isn't happening. Um, that And they said it themselves. Like, the Yankees have said it themselves. Those moves injected something into the team that they didn't have before. They needed something else, something new and fresh in the, in the clubhouse, in the dugout, and in the lineup, obviously. And they've gotten it. And you see it when, you know, you watch the games, you see how the the balanced lineup affects the other teams and the other managers uh, pitching moves. You see that they're not as easy to pitch to as they were in April and May and June and parts of, and part of July. So like I'm allowed to be happy now. And I'm also, I was also allowed to be angry a few months ago. And it's the same, you know, the complaints and the issues that popped up over the past months aren't suddenly, you know, something that never happened. It's all part of the journey. And, you know, if you're invested into the team and you watch what you saw, you know, you saw what we, what we all saw, there's no way to sit there and tell yourself and try to convince yourself that this is, this is good. You might be able to say like, I believe that they will turn it around. And I believe, you know, that there are better days ahead. And if you're one of those people credit to you, because I wasn't one of those, those guys, but at the same time, like, I can also recognize the fact that. You know, I don't think that they're in this position if they didn't make changes. And that's all we were saying. The the whole beginning part of the season was something needs to change. They need to shake something up. They need to spice it up. And that's what they did. And now here we are.
0: It's a situation where the New York Yankees are thankful that they were able to buy at the trade deadline, because if they didn't, then the situation probably would have presented itself in which it didn't get better. And look, the fact is, You don't really have to look much further than what's happening across town in New York with the New York Mets in the situation that this is a team that is built upon players who offensively were supposed to hit better than they were. The New York Yankees did not hit for the first, I don't know, three months of this year. Their offense really up until maybe the last four or five days hasn't been consistently putting the product out there that we want to see, but they were able to make those moves to reinforce the lineup. And they went out there and there were buyers at the deadline. And that was what was able to fuel what has been their resurgence here in the second half, but it very well could have gone a complete opposite way when, when push really comes to shove. But that said, it should be a happy pod. We want to be a happy pod. And let's talk about this win streak because that really has been the biggest story for the New York Yankees over the week. So, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the win streak as a whole because it's been a few weeks since we've been able to do a pod. That way, we can talk about the series that went by. And then I want to focus on some of the key players because the fact is, these wins have been much more than just an Aaron Judge or a Giancarlo Stanton big game. They've been brought to you by a number of of players, whether it's been their two very good-hitting first basemen now, the backup shortstops that have been playing the role of uh, offensive dynamite, or even just some players in the outfield who are doing a good job. So we will get to that, but let's start with the conversation regarding the win streak as a whole. Because when we did the pod last, they had a series that ended against Baltimore, and then they were going on the road to take on the Chicago White Sox. And in those first two games of that series – it could have gotten a little dicey because they had yet again another heartbreaking loss in the Field of Dreams game, but they come back there and are able to win that series against Chicago. And that propels them into the week that they had to do with the makeup game against the Anaheim Angels and then the doubleheader against Boston and then the day game against Boston the next day.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that would be a good time. I mean, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of these games because they're, you know, yeah, yeah you of know, course. A couple they weeks old, but I just want to say that, like, something that we talked about a lot was how, you know, Aaron Boone would would say after those heartbreaking defeats about how, you know, the team was really good with adversity and they would get back up and, you know, we kind of made fun of those comments because Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, you know, they, they get back up and they win and then they do it again. So it's like, is that really dealing with adversity? But I do have to say that he's right about that because I think other teams would have crumbled under, you know, those sorts of losses and the fact that they continue have continued to happen obviously is very frustrating, but I'm not sure that you could blame that on anything really instead of maybe it's just some bad luck, maybe a little bit of poor execution too, but like they've dealt with it. And so I think when it really hit me was when they lost the field of dreams game in such heartbreaking fashion and then they haven't lost since. So it's like, okay, that was another one of those gut punches. And then how did they respond? Well, They've won every single game they've played since. And now they're in the middle of a game against the Braves, another team who have won nine in a row. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like the fact that all of this has spurned from another crushing Mm soul-defeating loss, I think is a a sign of the team's toughness. And look at all the close games they play. Like they play two and one-run games almost on a daily basis. And they do well in them for the most part. Yeah. So that, you know, is, is putting them in tough situations, pl- situations that you would find in playoff games, close games, late in, the ga- late in games, mm-hmm. um, and they're handling it well. And so for me now, I'm starting to look at it as completely different as what I did before. And I'm looking at this now as something that gives me hope for the remainder of the season and hopefully a run in October is look at all these close, tough games they've played in, especially – late in the season with the hole they dug themselves in there's a lot of pressure. These games are very important games. These aren't just, you know, any regular run of the mill games. Like these are games that they needed to win and they've done it. And so that makes me confident going act, going into the, you know um, going into the, into the rest of the season about what this team could possibly do.
1: Yeah. And I mean, again, the field, when the field of dreams game happened and I think, like Jules and I were messaging I mean the, we were pissed off that our uh, Jules boy Stanton didn't get his big moment
0: cuz I mean they did him dirty
1: they did do him dirty and they always do right but when when Tim Anderson hit that home run and we lost heartbreakingly again I was pissed for like 10 5 minutes but then I was like we we were used to this and guys I think that we haven't mentioned this these three words three words yeah three words in a while because it's been that bad but I think we can mention it again 2021 season, everything that's happening is for it has to be for the twenty twenty one it's forwards World Series DVD. It's for-
2: <laughs> oh God.
1: <laughs> we haven't said it, right? See, <laughs> I don't want to
0: say it because I'm I'm pretty sure once I got into the st- the the, <laughs> the the motions of saying that early on, that's when all the bad stuff happened. No, so I haven't brought no, it up.
1: If if this week goes bad, we won't say it. Yeah,
0: then we won't say it again. But you brought it up, but you're right. You're right, because the fact is at least over the last few weeks, the second half World Series DVD where they talk about the world, uh, the trade deadline, bringing in Rizzo, bringing in Gallo, bringing up the guys from the minor leagues. This is going to be the, the heart of that uh, 2021 World Series Yankeeography that they do. It's going to be big time.
1: No, but, like, uh, yeah, and, again, what Josh said, especially, like, okay, they lost that first game against the White Sox, but then that Saturday game against the White Sox, literally Chad Green blew it with two outs, Um, and that could have been a moment where they could have lost another big game, but they bounced back, wanted an extra innings. Then they finished the series again on Sunday, and then in the Boston game, um, the bases loaded nobody out. They were on the verge of blowing another game, and Loisica buckled down and got out of that inning, and that was that. Then they won the the second night of that game, and then they ended up sweeping the Red Sox after losing a t- team for the first half of the season has owned you, especially a couple weeks ago in Boston where I was there and they took three out of four from you. Literally the same after the deadline, and then and that f- famous game with Herman where they he lost a no hitter, and then they lost that game in another heartbreaking way. And then they took care of business as they always do against the Minnesota Twins, which. Guys, I don't know about you, but if the Yankees played the Twins 162 games, that would be a phenomenal night. Because, man, if I was a Twins fan or even a Twins player and I'm going into Yankee Stadium or even when the Yankees come home, it's like you really don't expect to win when you're the no. team, man. It's been a crazy couple decades, honestly, against the Twins. We just own them. So they took care of business against the Twins. And, yeah, they have – Two big games uh, today and tomorrow and another uh, big series this weekend. But, yeah, man, the, the last nine games, last two weeks have been phenomenal. The Yankees are doing exactly what they're doing. And it's actually surprising for me to see, as I told you guys, you're probably looking at it too. When you look at the standings, they're they're tied with the White Sox and only one game worse than the Astros, two teams that have been dominating this whole season. And it's like, man, the Yankees have been so bad. But this recent stretch has, stretch has just Put them all the way back to the top right now. And it's it's kind of crazy to see, man. It's, it's yeah, it,
0: we, we almost buried the lead because the fact yeah. is that the standings is obviously the most important thing right now, with the fact that the New York Yankees are in first place in a wild card and only four and a half entering tonight, Monday. Uh, out of first place in the division. And as good as they've been, Tampa's obviously been just as good to keep them at bay. But when you consider that the beginning of July, and we've all seen the standings, they were 10 and a half back of the Boston Red Sox who were at the time in first place. And they were almost five, I think, out of the wild card. They were able yes. to make up all that ground and be able to put that there. And look, you hope that the result is the same, but it is sort of, starting to remind me of 2009, where they went 0-8 against Boston. They weren't able to buy a win in those first handful of games there. They did not play good at the beginning of the year, and then obviously they come on strong in the second half. They would wound up winning the division. They wound up obviously going on to win the World Series, but it looked at her as if by the time the second half came, by the time the second part of the summer rolled around, They figured out how to win the close games that they were losing. And right now you look at the series against Boston where, you know what, their offense showed up, but it wasn't with big homers. It was with some big hits, especially in that first game. It was a one-run game late or a close game late where both of the bullpen pitchers who pitched, whether it was green or whether it was Liza had to work. And then they were able to find a way to, to be able to do what they needed to do to take advantage of three games that they not only had needed to win, but you know, you wanted to win. And that's as, as good as you can get from that perspective. I think, um, you know,
2: a lot of times with baseball, like you, you really only pay attention to your division or, you know, if you're in the wild card race, you pay attention to that. That's kind of how it's been for us. You know, you look at the American league, the Yankees have the third best record in the American league. Now. Um, They're only a game behind Houston for the second best record in the, in the entire league. So You look at where they were, you know, six, seven weeks ago compared to what they are now. It kind of happened in the blink of an eye, almost to the to the point where, you know, you kind of don't even realize that, you know, the fact they're 20 games over 500. They lost to that. The Mets, uh, they were 41 and 41. And ever since then, they've played 20 games above 500. Um, What's remarkable is that, you know, as well, the Yankees have played, especially the last few weeks. That the Rays have kept pace with them, you know, um, so that's been frustrating to see that the Yankees haven't really been able to gain much ground in the division. But right now, like I told you guys this, I think it was two weeks ago when the uh, Rays played the Red Sox and the Rays obviously in first place in the division, the Red Sox in first place in the wild card. I told you guys we have to root for the Rays because we got to get the wild card first before we can worry about the division. And right, right now that's the position that the Yankees are in. So we're a scoreboard watching the Red Sox every day, every night and hoping for, a, I mean, sorry, the raise and hoping for a loss because, you know, we've got the wild card in our back pocket. We've got a huge series against Oakland coming up uh, this weekend. Who's right behind us. Um, but, you know, after that, we have our sights set on, on the race. And so that's what we, that's what we really want. But right now, I'm just happy that they're in playoff position. They've got me now thinking about October baseball, which was something that I wouldn't let myself do for the first three, four months of the season. But now here we are mid, late August. I'm thinking about October. I'm dreaming about those chilly nights in the Bronx or sitting on the couch while they're on the road, uh, stressing out, out, losing my mind with every pitch. And I'm ready for that. I don't want that. I'm dreaming about them losing on my birthday again, (laughs) baby. Keep it, Keep it coming. This year's the
1: Big 30. Let's have a big, big... Oh, God. I don't even... No, but... J- yeah, Josh. I mean, ex- what exactly they did from that July 4th or 5th um, date, a, a few... Six weeks ago, whatever, is that the Yankees little slowly by slowly, they were they were winning series, right? Yeah, that's what we said. Stack the series. Yeah, just win series and then we're like, we need that big win streak though. They yeah. kept winning three, but losing one, then losing two, then winning two. They, but they were still winning series, but we wanted that long streak and that win streak happens and it's happening now and it's propelled them like you said all the way to the top to the third best record
0: nine straight baby
1: nine straight and hopefully we keep it going of course they're versing a team today that has another a nine game winning streak and kind of guys the braves who we're facing today
2: similar situation
1: where they were like kind of dead in the water should they sell and i'll tell you right now yes i was in, in early July, again, that 4th of July weekend, man, I, for all of us, was just a disaster. And it's like, this team's going nowhere. And it's like, yeah, I, I was team sell. I, I was team sell since probably May or June. Because it just didn't look like it was, it was going I mean, to- they literally
0: lost 14-0 the day before the Dread deadline. So Oh, yeah, that I too. That they, didn't, they didn't need to, to sell, at least on paper. But
1: also, in a way, it was like, what? this? There's so many holes on this team is there really one or two moves that can kind of change the whole dynamic of this team? And honestly, I was wrong. It did happen, but we also didn't think we were going to get Anthony Rizzo, which has been a big, big dynamic of that lineup. So yeah, Gallo and um, Rizzo and even Holmes, you know, these moves have kind of changed the whole dynamic of the team and has propelled us all the way to the top of the standings and on this win streak. So yeah, I was wrong. happy i was wrong well, but you know, I, I, he's I, irrelevant and they're giving us something to root for going into the next couple months
0: i'm glad you bring that up because that's a perfect transition point because the fact is the new york yankees pretty much since july 4th will not or july 31st the trade deadline will not have could not have been where they are without a handful of guys. now two of them obviously right off the bat are anthony rizzo and joe gallo because offensively they have completely allowed the new york yankees to lengthen their lineup. Josh mentioned it earlier. You see now that when you have two lefties in the first five hitters to help out DJ and help out Aaron judge. And and not just any lefties. Good lefties. Good lefties. You and you have good lefties at the top of the order. It makes pitchers work. It makes them go out there and have to throw good pitches. Gala takes a ton of pitches and works good at bats. Rizzo takes a ton of pitches and works good at bats. They both have lefty power that helps out the team so it obviously starts there and for the Yankees we know what it meant to do that but the other guy that we have to give credit to is Luke Voigt. because last time that we were on this podcast was right when Anthony Rizzo went down with COVID and we talked all about what Anthony Rizzo had brought to this team those first two days that he was there and I said Voigt wants to talk a big game Rizzo's out he's got to be a guy who steps up big. And you know what? Not only did he step up big when Anthony Rizzo was out with COVID, now that he's back, everybody was talking about him making a fool out of himself, saying how he thought he deserved to play as much as Rizzo did. Well, you know what? Wasn't that big of a fool because right now, he just won AL Player of the Month. He's been that good.
2: Yeah, I mean, so with the void thing, like, I don't think anybody really, I mean, at least out of the three of us, really was arguing against him being in the lineup, even, you know, at a full strength with Rizzo there, you know, after COVID, I don't think any of us were, you know, saying that he should be on the bench or anything like that. I think we all believe then and now that the best lineup they can put out there is the one with Stanton in the outfield and Voight at DH with Rizzo obviously playing first. So yep you know, we saw, we've gotten like a couple glimpses of it. They haven't really pulled it out of their bag yet. And I wouldn't expect them to really do that until the postseason. I think they'll do their rest thing where one guy gets a day off pretty much every day, um, which is fine. But I I think, you know, to get back to it, like I obviously Voight should want to play, right? Like there's no reason for him to, to come to the podium after games and stuff and say like, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind, you know, I don't mind not playing, but it's the, the thing that bothered me was he didn't need to bring up Rizzo too. Like he could have just said, yeah. Yeah. Like I want especially to, especially after
0: you sweep the red Sox in yeah. a double
2: header. Like I, I want to, and I don't think it really created controversy or anything. And I don't think it was a detrimental no, it wasn't. thing that he said. And obviously he backed it up with his play the last week, but I think he could have just said like, I want to play. And hopefully, you know, Booney will get me in the lineup as much as possible because I just want to win. I don't yeah. think he needed to say, I deserve to play as much as Rizzo because Listen, from a pure first base standpoint, no, you don't because he's a better fielder than you are. But you deserve to be in the lineup every day and you will yeah. be in the lineup except, you know, tonight so that, in the yeah. National League Park. But Yeah. yeah I Mick don't Clark.
1: think... He didn't say... But he didn't say I deserve to play first base. Like
2: He just no, said... No, he said I deserve no. to play as much as Rizzo. And I don't think... I think the thing that bothered people and the, the controversy I mean, I of it is mentioning have... another guy's name. I don't think you need to oh, say true. that. Yeah, I think I you know. could just say... I want to play. I hope I'm in the lineup every day. I believe I deserve to be in the lineup every day, and I want to win. So, you know? I know there were some – I
1: forgot who it was, but I know, like, there was talk about, like, some – Someone on WFAN said he should get benched for
2: that. That was, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, ridiculous. it was,
0: it was Kim Jones who was filling in for, uh, yeah, that's clearly, Maggie ridiculous. Gray imagine if we dish,
1: imagine yeah. if you benched him, he wouldn't have won a player of the week and helped us win some games. But that, anyway. and, and
0: that is, that is truly the issue is, is all that aside, last week he was absolutely a man possessed. He, I don't want to say single-handedly led them to wins, but he almost single-handedly led them to wins because of how good he was offensively, especially against the Twins.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if this is what we needed, I know, I know, I know a lot of us like Yankee fans, like when we got Rizzo or like, cause we were just hungry to get more pieces that can help this team. Right. It's like, okay, Luke Boyd. I mean, we love what you did last year, but you've been really injury riddled this year. Like if we can trade you for something else then why not do it? Right. But now mm-hmm. that's wrong, man. And he's proven that he does, deserves to be in this lineup and he could be a big part of this team. And again, listen, if you're in this lineup and you're gonna hit, then we want you on there.
0: Giancarlo just hit a home run.
1: Let's go, uh, your boy. And exactly why? that Giancarlo has played better. Well,
0: and yeah, he, uh,
2: he has. And that's not a coincidence. It's not a surprise. Yep.
0: He's and hitting we, over 300 since uh since and we talked being about an everyday like, fielder.
2: We said like is it we
1: I think we've all agreed that it was a Yankee thing? Cause like it was a
0: Yankee thing. Yeah, it was.
1: Or like, yeah, no, Jacarlo would play the field. They were just like they were I understand the very cost for them. They were baiting him. But now with Luke Voigt and Anthony Rizzo, it's like you can't baby Stanton because you're not gonna
2: leave Luke Void on the bench. You're gonna have to make it work. So, and you're in a heated race too. Yeah. Yep. But you're yeah. in a heated race. So these guys have to play.
0: I'm not sure if you actually heard, uh, but a few days ago on WFN, Craig Carton had Adam Silver on and Adam Silver was talking about uh, rest days for players and, you know, load management, that sort of thing. And he used to talk about how, you know, nowadays with sports science, a lot of people say like, oh, you want them to not go through the routine and stuff like that as a day off. But he said, that he remembered talking to Michael Jordan, who used to say that Michael Jordan felt that if he took a day off from practice, he would get hurt because of how his body was conditioned and how he wanted to win. So it almost makes you think that maybe on paper, while the Yankees might say to themselves, like, yes, you're giving him less stuff to do, and therefore his body won't be as brittle, that it just almost makes sense that now that he has to actively stay active 24-7, he has to keep himself on work in the outfield he has to make sure that his body is in good shape because he's going to be running and and doing start stop stop motions that yeah he probably would be in a little better shape and wouldn't get these soft tissues issues as much knock on wood right
2: yeah i mean it you know remember that was it last year when he started going on the bike uh In in the in the uh tunnel in between it was right near the playoffs yeah and so that was a sign to me that it was like the only way that I'm going to stay ready and healthy and fresh is if my body's moving. Cause I'm a pro athlete and that's what I'm used to doing. I was mm-hmm. in the major leagues for almost 10 years playing the outfield every day in the national league, you know? And like, I get it. The Yankees are invested in him for a very long time. And he, you know, got hurt a lot in 2019, missed a lot of games, multiple injuries, carried over a little bit to last year. So they were scared. And I get that. But at a certain point, you know, you kind of see the writing on the wall. You kind yeah. of can tell that, like, maybe they need to try something else because, you know, as we said, like, things don't work. You need to try new things, try different things. And you also, I feel like this is where we get into that conversation of, like, everything has a heartbeat. Like, the numbers and stuff, the science tells you, you know, the rest is important. Keep, keep him fresh, keep him healthy. But at the same time, what is his body saying?
0: You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And,
1: and what's great about this is now you know how deep well, of course when all these guys come back hopefully healthy it's like how deep are our, our benches and how deep this lineup is is that you can give these these guys this rest of course now it's not we're hoping they're not going to get in that rest because they're in the middle of a playoff race but you can sprinkle some one day games here and there whether you know what i mean throughout the week where they can like refuel and stuff like that so yeah man i i i still just i wake up sometimes and and i still think god damn Jay Bruce and Mike Ford work. Yeah. Yep.
0: Jay Bruce was the opening day, uh, first baseman. And, and now we have, you know, definitely... Anthony Rizzo
1: and Luke Boyd and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right early
1: on, but he was hurt all the time, but man.
0: All right. Let's give credit to a, another New York Yankee who has been doing a good job on the offensive side of things. And look, us three would be the first people to, to say that this person for a majority of their Yankee career has been absolutely awful. And that is Tyler Wade. But the fact is, Tyler Wade, over the last, oh, maybe not a month, but at least the last 10, 15 days since Glaber Torres went down with an injury, has performed incredibly well. He is hitting the ball. He is playing great defense, which we expect from a guy who plays a majority of positions for them, and they need it, especially the outfield and third base. And oh yeah, he's getting on base, he's swiping bags, and he's helping the pace of the offense way that they desperately need so the fact is as soon as glaber got hurt you kind of assumed he was going to play a lot especially with geo out he's taking advantage of the opportunities
2: oh he sure is and and he's showing that he you know belongs and it makes you think if he had gotten that opportunity in the past to play as much as he's played if this would have happened sooner and obviously we're not saying that like the yankees were wrong for keeping him on the bench all these years like he's not as good as you know the guys that they have ahead of him on the depth chart but at the same time, we were sitting here, what was it, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, saying, why is he in the major leagues? And now we're sitting here saying, this guy is a very important part of the team, and I don't know where they would be without him the last few weeks, you know? Yeah. And not only that, but, like, just from, like, an entertainment perspective, like, he's fun to watch when he's hitting because he will, like, slap balls. He'll slap balls to the opposite field. Um, he'll pull some balls. He'll do those little bunts down the third baseline. He steals bases. He's taken an extra bag. Um, he's a threat to run at any moment. Like if he gets on first base, you might as well just let him go to second. Cause he's going to try to try to steal. And it's fun to watch just as a fan, you know, looking for something entertaining. I like that kind of baseball. And so he's been along with other guys on the team, very aggressive in that sense. And it's been indispensable, especially like you said, Jules, his, his ability to play multiple positions while there have been many injuries and COVID and all this, like, it's invaluable. And if he can just hit like even just a little bit like what he's shown, he'll stay in the majors for a very long time. He'll be an important member of the Yankees for a long time. It's just what we, we always knew that he had the ability to affect the game with his speed and play all these positions, but he just never hit. And so we never thought he should have, you know, lasted as long as he did. But now that the bat has come around, we just have to hope that, you know, this is closer to the player that he's going to be for the rest of his career or the rest of his time as a Yankee. And he'll be, he'll stick around
0: and, and, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you really think about it, the fact is the Yankees have always kind of wanted Tyler Wade to, to sort of be their Ben Zobrist and play the third base and play the outfield and be able to, to come in late in the game for defensive replacement. But the one thing that Ben Zobrist had was maybe he wasn't, always the best hitter on the team but he was a good hitter on every team that he was in he's an He was all-star. somebody that you could yeah that was an all-star and you could expect big hits from clutch hits from and the opportunity to give you a chance to win whenever he plays and right now tyler Wade is doing that he's getting on base he's walking he's swiping bags he's getting hits down the line and he's playing good defense wherever he is so For the three weeks, four weeks that he has needed to do that, while Gio Rochelle has been down, while Glaber Torres has been down, while they've had some uncertainty in the outfield or needed some late-game replacements, he's done exactly what you want and what you needed from him, and now everything else is just, you know, free innings, I guess. I guess you could say. It's house money. Yeah, it's house money.
1: But you can also just tell with Wade when you're watching the game, like, when he steps into that box how confident he is yeah and of course when you get on a on a roll there you're going to be more confident but i mean yeah it's it's great to see because again we want these guys to do well and um i think he's hitting 455 over his last 50 15 games actually so he's been kind of hot since mid july mid-July. so it's great to see
0: The other guy that we have to discuss, obviously, storyline-wise right now for the Yankees, might be the biggest storyline, maybe not even just for the team, but one of the biggest storylines of baseball, and that's Andrew Velasquez. They brought him up the day Glaber got hurt. So, obviously, in in the series a few weekends ago, Glaber winds up getting hurt. He winds up hurting his thumb. He's not able to play. We're all set and upset. I think it was the White Sox series, right? So, it, it it was the end of the White Sox series, and he comes in. Andrew Velasquez, this hometown kid. And look, for him, you kind of maybe thought what you might be getting. He had been in the majors before. He had never really produced. It was a good story. The Yankees allowed him to come over to the organization and sign the kid, played in their minor league system, plays a good defense, you know, maybe gets a hit here or there you know, and then also had led the majors in stolen bases, something we had talked about the last time that we talked about him on the pod or the minor league organization in stolen bases. But the fact is from the Boston Red Sox series last week, this kid has been electric. He has not only gotten hits, he's got clutch hits. He's done a great job leading the bottom of this uh, offense in the, in, whether the eight spot, the nine spot, depending on where he's playing. And he's in the same way that Tyler Wade is getting big hits and get on base and swiping bags and leading the team with his defense. That's what Andrew Velasquez has been doing. And there were some plays last week with his glove that honestly, if he doesn't make, you don't know whether or not that would have been in trouble for the Yankees, especially that last play of the Boston game that he was able to make that incredible stop going to his right or yeah, going to his right or left. And then he also had a big home run in that series this weekend against Minnesota, some big hits in the game versus Boston. So this kid who grew up a Yankee fan is from the Bronx is staying with his parents right now in the Bronx. As he goes to the game, playing the hometown hero, that's all you can ask for. For as good as uh, we just said, Wade has been
2: Velasquez is now playing every day ahead of Wade. Um, They are like keeping Velasquez at short. And they're sprinkling weight in here and there at some other spots around the infield and in the outfield a little bit. And for me, this is the number one story for the Yankees this year. And it's only been what, like a couple of weeks, a week of him doing this. Yeah. Um
0: I mean, because he wasn't that good when, no. when he, those first few games where he came. No, off. he was awful. Yeah, he looked like a guy who he was looked just, like
1: yeah, he, he was like
0: I he was a glove.
2: He was a glove.
1: It kind of looked like Jonathan Davis in a way, because Jonathan Davis can't hit at all. And yeah. the, but
2: anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. But it felt that's what it felt like the first few games, and you're like, okay, well, like whatever, he's gonna play defense, and hopefully oh, the, a the and at
0: Stadium, that'll be cool. Yeah, and, and
2: hopefully the rest of the lineup will produce, and then eventually he'll go back to Scranton or whatever. And now you're at the point where you're saying to yourself, okay, well, you know, Gio Rochelle is rehabbing, and Glaber's, you know, not far behind him. What are they gonna do when those guys come back? And now again, this is the big thing. Like we don't have to worry about this because it always works itself out. But still, you can't help but but let your mind go there. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. And, and watching him, you know, hit that home run, what was that, Saturday, um, was, you know, awesome. It was awesome, just in one word. And it's been really cool to see that because you kind of, you know, when you grow up a Yankee fan, like you kind of feel like you're living through him a little bit in a way. Like every one of us probably at some point when we were young dreamed of doing what he's doing right now. And the fact that, you know, he's, he's from the Bronx. He grew up a Yankee fan, like that whole thing. It's just an incredible story. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, appreciative of it now in the moment. And I hope that he has a role in the team going forward for the rest of the season. And hopefully, you know, if they get to October that he's part of that too, because I think that would be really fun for him. And listen, like, it's not just a good story because he's helped them win games. Like you said, he's come up with big hits. He played great defense. Those Red Sox games, like Luke Voigt, as good as he was, Velasquez was, you know, almost as good. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just been incredible. And, and E-Ray, earlier you said when we were talking about the trade deadline, like, are there two moves that this team can make that will get them back into contention? Like, no, the answer was no. But we didn't expect Rizzo and Gallo and then to get contributions from the guys that we've been talking about and another guy we'll get to in Nestor Cortez. Like, this – has been not just the two trades all these things have come at the right time
1: yeah and i mean velasquez man he's on that magical run and like you
2: said it's like jeremy lynn <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, kind, yeah. Of. kind of on that type of run
0: insanity
1: i again i don't know how much this can continue but right now i think velasquez on this so when you hear him post game like i think he when he hit uh against the red sox he had like a big speech and like the team was like he's a big part of the team right now and uh, again I think it might end when these guys come up. Maybe he'll be back September because they, there's some roster situations. But he knows. Like, right now, he's living the moment, man. He's going out there every day. And he's just living his dream, playing the game he loves for the New York Yankees. So, as long as he contributes, that's all you can ask for. And you mentioned that home run on Saturday. And I think I joked, but I was kind of serious. I kind of teared up a little bit when they saw his parents and yeah. probably his parents and grandparents, his family in the stands. They were crying. I mean, I'm a big crier. So, it's no. So, <laughs> I am. I'll tell you. I'm a big crier. So, when I see other people get emotional, like, I get emotional. man. And that, that's, that was an emotional moment. It was his first run, right? In literally yep.
2: – yeah four years
1: because i think he was with the rays in the major leagues but yeah that was his
2: first big league homer
1: yeah first and i think the fan gave it back to him with nothing Mm -hmm. shout out to that yankee fan no it's just a magical run and if they if this continues and it helps them make the playoffs because that's the goal and hopefully win but no matter what like you're gonna think we're gonna remember the andrew Velasquez. he's gonna be part of those like sean chaconne or like aaron small in 2005 or like so i can't think of any other guys but like
0: but yeah. two things well w- thing number one the speech that he uh that he discussed which was awesome was that he had dreamt of what yankees red sox series would be like as a player and that this was better than anything he could have dreamt obviously incredible when you think of a kid who grew up a yankee fan hated the red sox loved the rivalry growing up especially since he's around our age he grew up during the height of of those years with the, you know, the boon walk off and Oh four and all that stuff. So, um, and then number two, I'm sorry. I don't care how good of a guy you are as a ball player. You can't give that ball back without getting anything back for nothing. That, and that's what the story said. It wasn't like, Oh, he said nothing, but they gave him stuff. He didn't have miscarriage no, no, no. Kinda, you need to ask for something back I, 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 i'm the nicest guy something. ever i'm, I'm uh, asking for something yeah i, I mean uh, listen
2: like if that's me i'm not gonna give the yankees a hard time i'm gonna say you could yeah i want him to get the ball back but, but, but i I'll,
0: need something
2: but can uh, i get uh, you, whatever yes. it is an autograph a picture whatever like that's you know i'm asking for that but i'm not giving them a hard time but like i agree my, like
0: my base is at a minimum legends tickets for a game uh, and then get to meet the player who you give the ball back to. That's a minimum. If they can't do that for me, for, for me giving this ball back, I don't care who the player is, then uh, then I'm keeping the ball I, I to agree I agree with but, you. That's, that, those, that's just my philosophy on the situation. Uh <laughs> Let's get to the next player because we have a little bit of a big series to preview before we move on in the pod. But the, the next guy is a guy who not only is – been instrumental to the New York Yankees rise back to the top parts of the standings, but really is just the swag King of New York. And that is Nestor Cortez with his mustache and with his goofy stuff on the mound. He is the Yankees quirky ace. And he has been every second of what the Yankees needed from a guy who they can give the ball to every fifth day and don't need to worry about it because that is essentially what he has been over the last month and a half, two months.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's crept himself into the conversation of who's getting a playoff start if they're in the, you know, in the mm-hmm. division series. Um, and like, you're kind of crazy if you don't want him involved in that somehow. Yeah. You know, um, I want to pitch after Cole. I remember Cole game like, one. What he got called up two. in like June or so, or maybe it was late May. Um, and, you know, he was used in mop-up duty, long relief, stuff like that. But he pitched so well that, you know, he sort of elevated himself higher up onto the, you know, circle of trust. And then injuries happen and he's starting games. And then, you know, he's he's opening games. And all of a sudden this guy's pitching in the fifth inning and he's not giving up runs. And then all of a sudden he's going into the sixth inning. And then last weekend he's pitching it, he's, you know, into the seventh inning. Two runs, seven strikeouts. And you're like, okay. Like, this – he has a two-and-a-half ERA. Um, you know, he's been – it's, it's been long enough of a time to, to say that, you know, it's probably not a fluke. And, you know, everyone knows how much I love Garrett Cole, but he is so much fun to watch, like, even more so than other guys just because he's so different from everyone That's else. Uh, the or nasty nester nasty, nasty Nestor. Nestor. Like, the funky wind up the the art the, the the weird sidearm arm angle that he'll give you at times or the, the quick pitches like it's just it's old school and it's cool how it's different character man yeah and it, it, he kind of fits like he fits the part that he plays as a player and it's awesome and the contribution is i mean ir- irreplaceable i don't even know where they would be without that and that's an, you know just another guy that Like when you say to yourself, the you know, oh, in the beginning of July, the Yankees are going to need a pitcher, an outfielder, whatever. Like, okay, but yeah, like they, yes, but Nestor Cortez is the pitcher, you know? Luis Gil is the pitcher. Like these guys that came from nothing, came from nowhere, that we didn't see, you know, factoring in are very important. And like you talk about all these guys that we've talked about so far, the number one person on the list in terms of their contribution, meaning the most of the team is Nestor Cortez because they're now four starting pitchers deep and they still have Kluber on the mend. They still have Herman on the mend. So like Sevi, maybe, but you know, whatever, Like maybe he's in the bullpen. Maybe we don't see him, whatever. But like the point is like the Yankees are four starters deep, five starters really with heel. Um, And Nestor Cortez is, you know, having as good of a season as any of them.
0: Yeah. Guys, I, I
2: have, agree. I have a, I, I bought a Nasty Nester shirt. That's how much yeah. I believe
1: in this guy. And how can you not? I mean, you see it uh, a couple games ago where all the pitchers were wearing their Nasty Nester shirt. Except
0: Garrett Cole, apparently. Yeah.
1: I think Garrett Cole was wearing it earlier, but he, I saw him with it on, but for the picture, he, wasn't. I know that
2: maybe, maybe some... he got all sweaty or something. It was yeah, hot. Maybe.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised Chapman wasn't in it.
2: Probably that's probably his third shirt he was wearing.
1: But um, yeah, man, dude, the Yankees starters have a 2.85 ERA in their last 42 starts. What
2: like, they have one of the best they have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball.
1: Yeah, and that's I mean that's why they are back to where they they are right now. So hopefully, it just continues. But man, what is like again? Like you said, um, Josh, it everything works itself out, and so far, you know. The COVID situations were were not great at the time, but it's opened our eyes to, you know, a Luis Heel, giving Nestor Cortez more opportunities to pitch and shut people down. It's just he's so quirky when he when he pitches. It's like what does he throw? Like top 91, 92 miles? He
2: averages, day. I think his fastball averages a, a shade under 91.
1: You know what I love the best about him is like he just throws strikes, man. He's not yeah. a, like he's gonna people are gonna hit it, but he like he's not afraid of contact. And that's what you like. I can name some other pitches where they're freaking just throwing balls all over the place and walking pitchers matters, but man, Nestor has been a sight to see. It's been fun.
2: I was listening to uh, talking Yanks this morning and Trevor Ploof was on today and he was talking about Nestor and he was saying like, the reason why he's effective is because he's so different from other starters that, you know, players are used to facing that he makes you think as a hit, like as a hitter, he makes you think. And the last thing you want to be doing while you're hitting is thinking, thinking because, you know, you don't want to get so far into your head. And he said, that's what makes Nestor so effective is that he's so atypical that you have no choice, but to start to question everything. And he, you
0: know, he fools people. It's almost as if when you face a knuckleballer, you have to worry about where the pitch is going to go. And that makes you uncomfortable at the plate. Well, just take the emotion of facing enough knuckleballer and Put it with somebody who actually knows how to throw the ball, and that's almost what you're getting there. Somebody who, like you said, like Trevor Ploof mentioned, is going to make you earn your at-bats because you're going to have to understand what it is that you're going up there and facing, and that's a huge, huge benefit. The other guy you guys both mentioned, and we should briefly bring him up because he has been that good and he has deserved recognition, is Luis Heel. It was a few weeks ago that he had that first start against Baltimore that you and me and E-Ray Josh said – Let's hope he's good. Didn't have that uh, overwhelming of of numbers in the minors. In fact, he wasn't really that awesome. But now he's the first major league pitcher in history to have those first couple of starts and go 15 plus innings in his first major league starts and not give out a up a run. He's looked dominant doing it. He's has unbelievable stuff. High power guy. And for the Yankees, they kind of were expecting Luis Severino to maybe come back this year. Well, if you don't get to see Seve and Louis Seals, the guy's making the starts, you kind of got what you hoped you would have been able to get if Seve made a late comeback, which is a guy who can give you a bunch of wins, give him really good wins at really big moments, and throws high 90s and has some great shutdown stuff and just makes Major League hitters look uncomfortable. He's
2: been awesome. And, um, you know, hopefully we get to see him some more. I know with the fact of, you know, the fact that he was a COVID replacement, and a an, uh, 27th man last week in the doubleheader against the Red Sox that there's been a lot of weird roster stuff with him. So
0: he got screwed yesterday. Um, he was supposed to start with the hurricane. He was supposed happens. to start
2: yesterday and then the storm happened and they, you know, they're skipping him. Uh So, you know, hopefully we'll get to see him. He's obviously earned it. Um, We'd obviously rather see him than Andrew Heaney, but you know, there's always more, you know, at play than just the simple stuff. Like, Heaney has no future with the team, so the Yankees are just going to use him until his arm falls off, pretty much. But he
0: threw seven innings.
2: But he time. he was good last time. So he, he almost I almost, colla-
1: almost collapsed on the floor.
2: <laughs> he earned another start. But the point, like, we want to see heal. and listen, like the bullpen has been a problem. Um, like Chad Green, Zach Britton, Chapman, like they've all been an issue for a while now. Um, and you know, I'm starting to think, like I said, I'm starting to think ahead to the playoffs and I'm looking back at how the Nationals won a World Series, where they would use starters in relief, and I'm starting to think that the Yankees maybe could go that route, Um, should they have the pleasure and the privilege of getting that far. But like, he is one of those guys who we would obviously would love to see him start a playoff game because he's 23 years old and he's going to be here for a while. But he's somebody that you could one inning
0: and then have uh, a JA half come in. He's somebody who you could
2: fly him in from Minnesota and then (laughs) he's someone that you could see. I think pitching out of the pen in september and I you know important games and absolutely and either way i think he'd be effective so i i yeah i mean listen we have nothing bad to say how could we have anything bad to say about any of this right now
1: he is he'll yeah. be crazy so Luis heel is pitching tomorrow in triple a like imagine he just gets shelled <laughs> I mean, yeah,
2: his triple a numbers were bad
1: man. yeah it is i think like he was i think i read somewhere where sometimes he I don't know. He like needs to, he looks ahead of himself, like to motivate him. So maybe that's why he was so made motivated in the major leagues. I mean, yeah, man, like you can't, he's been electric and I wish he, I wish he was pitching in Atlanta, but we kind of expected last week when Heaney actually pitched well that he was yeah. in spot. I think if Heaney like shit bed last week, I think it would have been maybe healed. Maybe. Or maybe yeah. not. I don't know. Like you said, they might just be throwing out Heaney no matter what. I guess. Yeah, well,
0: but also he, he was supposed to start yesterday and look the fact that right, the yeah. rain it, it it's stinky it, it's just we want him as much as you can especially when you consider that the alternative is that the Yankees don't bring him up again and then he has to go through the rest of the year either pitching in the minors or you never know what happens next year I mean we use Debbie Garcia's name a lot on this podcast in recent months as sort of the telltale of what could go wrong because he's been so bad in the minors. But, you know, us three don't really want that to happen. And, you know, the fact is that he has been every bit as good as any starter they've had this year during those 15 innings. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to tell me anybody other than Cole has put together 15-plus competent innings that look like him. Nestor probably too. But to also do it while throwing 98, to have the shutdown stuff, He didn't really walk a whole bunch of guys during those first couple of starts. And then, oh, yeah, he helped do it against the Boston Red Sox and a couple of other big starts that he was able to make in order to help the team win. It's like he deserves it. And you hope that once September rolls around and they have the expanded rosters and you see how that sort of works, that every one of the guys who they're probably going to have to send down for at least the end of August once they get a little bit healthier, whether that is Angie Velasquez or whether that is Luis Heel, that they're able to help them out uh, when they move forward as far as some house cleaning before we kind of move past that Zach Britton got put on the IL today so the Yankees are going to have a bullpen opening he had a right uh, no left forearm sprain so that's his throwing elbow uh, or a left elbow sprain so that's his throwing elbow which you don't want to see uh, and he had really not been that good in in recent weeks and then you uh, guys both talked about this a little earlier, and, and E-Ray, you gave us some some numbers before you we went on the air. But Glaber going to start getting ready after uh, having that thumb injury. Uh, Gio, he had that setback a few weeks ago, but now he's playing rehab games again, so we'll see when he'll be able to come back. Josh, you and I went to the game last week, and I said out loud to you that I really miss Gio and, and him being able to play uh, – um, third base and just how good of a third baseman he is. And then last but not least Severino was making his quote unquote rehab starts a few weeks ago. Then he wound up feeling some shoulder soreness. They wanted to get a second opinion. I don't think since the second opinion, they've said what is going on with it. Uh, but I wouldn't expect to see him anytime soon, but I think we might expect to see Corey Kluber uh, in the near future.
2: Yes. um, I think, Kluber seems, I mean, he's, he hasn't pitched well in his two rehab starts. He's got another one. I believe it's tomorrow. Um, If not tomorrow then Wednesday. So he seems to be getting into the swing and I expect that we will see him uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. I think Urshela will see soon as well. Like you mentioned uh, his rehab start started yesterday. He was three for four in that game down in Somerset. Uh, So yeah, it looks like, you know, some of these guys are the cavalry is coming back uh, even more so than it already had with, you know, Rizzo coming back from COVID and, and you know, some of those other injuries like um, Clay Holmes is back, too. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It, it'll be interesting if this all does come to fruition, what happens with the roster. Uh, again, that stuff usually works itself out with Seve. Like, you know, it seems like it's a little bit of a mystery that he his shoulder was barking. So that you know makes you nervous because how many injuries now has it been in a short amount of time? Um, but I think if we get at anything out of Sevi this year, it'll probably be out of the bullpen, which to be fair, they could use,
0: especially with the Britain news. I agree a hundred percent. So that's what's going on with the uh with the housekeeping from the injured perspective then for the prospects perspective, Anthony Volpe, the Yankees new number one prospect. He passes Jason Dominguez because he has just been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, which you know what? I'm a little happy about. Let's keep Jason, the Martian under the radar. So that way, when he explodes onto the scene as our new center fielder, we can all be hyped about what he can do. Uh, Yeah. I mean,
2: listen, like, it's shocking to see Volpe, Volpe leap above Dominguez because the hype for Dominguez is insane. He's barely played and whatever. He um, was in the
0: Future Stars game. Yeah. Volpe, Volpe, I don't he,
2: think, made it there. He wasn't. And he wasn't. I don't he think. Wasn't he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't even, like, Charlie You know, something. Yeah. I mean, he was. Obviously, he was a first-round pick, so it's not like he was a complete, you know, nothing, like, no-name yeah. bum. But, like, this wasn't expected. And I don't think it was expected this quickly because he was drafted in 2019, and last year there was no minor league season. So
1: he he honestly, he's been killing it so much in high a right now. He could have probably been in double a like,
2: but they have Peraza. No, and
1: Peraza is another prospect Who's killing it right now. So, and you know, with like, they don't want to get these guys called up so quickly because of, you know, all the stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, he's been killing it, man. I think he had a, uh, one of the, I saw one of the video, the walk-offs last week or something. His swing is, is, Oh yeah. His swing is pretty, and I'm excited, man. For, hopefully, again, he can keep it going.
0: It's humorous because I feel like several times on this podcast we've discussed, oh, are they going to keep Glaver at short? Are they going to go out and get Seager this offseason? Are they going to move Glaver to second base? Well, look, the fact is, at least in the foreseeable future, between Glaber, between Peraza, between Anthony Volpe, between the potential of maybe being able to go out there and sign Seeger, Yankees do have a lot of options when it comes to what they're going to do at the shortstop position, but we can't speculate too much about that. It's all going to be sorted out in due time. At least in the short term, though, it's going to be Andrew Velasquez until Glaber comes back, and then you'll have Glaber return to playing shortstop regularly, which leads us to the conversation That we need to have before we wrap up the podcast, which is previewing the week ahead. Because without a doubt, this weekend is the Yankees' biggest series of the year. And ironically, it's not against Tampa, it's not against the Boston Red Sox, it's not against the Toronto Blue Jays, it's about a head-to-head matchup with the Oakland Athletics out in Oakland. So a road series that is going to challenge them and You heard I mentioned it already. They're playing the Braves beforehand, a two-game set, which they're already in the process of playing right now. Last they checked, it was 1-1 in the Monday game. Then they'll play Tuesday before they travel and head out west for that big matchup against Oakland. And look, they need to win three out of four against the Oakland A's because if they have any hope of keeping Oakland and keeping the Red Sox at bay and competing to try and win a division with the Tampa Bay Rays, they need to start taking care of business and keep their big lead atop one of these two wild card spots.
2: Absolutely. I, I said to you guys yesterday, I think that um, these, these games against the, the A's are the, the biggest games of the season up to this point, uh, you know, because of where the two teams are with each other. Um, you know, the, the, like you said, Jules, like they, they have to win. I think they have to win the series just to, you know, make sure that they continue to grow their lead um, in the wildcard race, but also to make sure that they keep Tampa within striking distance, but also hold off the Red Sox. And so, yeah, I mean, this, it's scary because when they go out there, they usually don't play well in Oakland and these are games that they have to have. And, you know, we're getting close to September. So, you know, I mean, you know, we will have our better pitchers lined up to face them. So that's good. Um, like we'll have Cole there. I think we'll have Cortez and Tyone as well. Um if it lines up correctly with the day off, so they haven't officially announced that, but I think I'm just doing math in my head that that works out. So yeah, I mean, listen, it's a scary it's a scary time to go out west this late in the season. Um so especially
0: with Oakland who's a good team because at Oakland's, the end of the day, yeah. they're not just pushovers and they made moves at the deadline to try and get better as well. Absolutely. And one of those guys was Starling
2: Marte, who the Yankees were, you know, we were looking at for the Yankees and he's been a big, a big help for them. Um, Yeah. I mean, they played well against the A's in June when they came to the stadium. Um, But obviously it's different now. The Yankees are a different team. The A's are a little bit different too. So uh, big, big, important games for the Yankees ahead. I think ideally, you know, we want to see them take three out of four, but to be honest with you, if they split with them and keep, things sort of um, on the same place that they are right now in the standings, I think we'll, we'll end up being okay with it, but obviously we want to see them win the series, but the most important part of this all is just to make sure that you keep pace with what they are, you know, doing right now in the wild card race. So if you take two out of four, you know, everything kind of evens out. So, but yeah, I mean, we got to stay up late to watch these games now. Not so me. I'm not happy about that. Not you because you're overnight. Not not um, me either, because I'm gonna be in Alaska. Oh, that's right. So, so hey, it's just wow. me.
0: It's just me, you stay up late. It's Whoa. the weekend,
1: Josh. At least it's a week, not Thursday night. Thursday night.
0: I I was actually going to say that I feel like I didn't get the true West Coast experience this year. Yeah. Because when they were on the West Coast last time, the Seattle games were were not really that late. I think they had two day games yeah. in Seattle. And and then they uh the Angels game, they stunk so bad that I didn't really care about it it uh that much and now and now now this one i'm actually an hour behind them since it's an hour extra when i'm in alaska wow. or the west coast so it's so early gonna, it's an early game even you. earlier
2: <laughs>
1: Wow, let's all just go to Alaska in the and they're nine now. o'clock
0: games too. So <laughs> yeah, nine. It, so it's really a five o'clock baseball game. As opposed oh, to oh shit! A 10 o'clock. Wow, five that's hour cool. swing. So Jules
1: is, Jules is in Happyland there. Yeah, I hit the
0: jackpot with it. <laughs> no, but uh,
1: I mean, you guys both said it. Just continue to win series, and I just want to say the Rays. I mean, it's because they're, they're facing the Orioles this weekend. So you know, we have a there. That's probably three wins honestly for the Rays because the Orioles have been so damn bad what they i think they lost like 18 in a row or something like that
2: they haven't won since the game we went to of
1: course the one we went to with the cat also like yeah boston oakland but you gotta the other teams too but if again if you just win your games it doesn't matter what the other team's doing like seattle's three and a half toronto's five games toronto's been scuffling a little bit but they do have 12 more games with baltimore this season so yeah no matter what right now, you're at the top. You want to stay at the top of the wild card. If you're going to not win a division, you want the home game at the wild card game. So, yeah, man, just keep winning games, winning series if you can. But this week, the, this week's going to be a, a tough stretch, especially the, the Braves.
0: Right now in that Braves game, it's still 1-1 in the middle of the fourth at the time we're recording this. So you hope they win that game. And then you hope you have an opportunity to get some revenge by winning that second game tomorrow before the day off and travel get day. But Josh is right because not only if splitting, you know, you have an opportunity to break even, but after that, the Yankees have a three game set against the angels who they have fared well against this year out in LA. Then they return home three against Baltimore who right now Baltimore stinks. Literally, they have not won a game since that game that Josh, me, and you went to, E. Ray, and that was the cat on the field game. That was 21 days without a game win. They have been awful. So you play them for three. Then you have a four-game set against Toronto before you play the Mets, Minnesota, and Baltimore, Cleveland, and then Texas. So all bad teams from literally the 3rd of September until the 28th of September. September, outside of playing the Toronto Blue Jays, you play teams that are not good. Texas, Baltimore, the New York Mets, who are terrible right now. Cleveland, who is fine. They're not that great. They have had their own issues this year, though obviously the Yankees and them played tough series earlier. So win this series against Baltimore, uh, against the Braves, then go out there and, and win at least two against Oakland, and you're in a pretty good space. And then we're talking about a September in which Hey, at a minimum, you know you have the opponents in line that can help you fat enough to get the wild card spot. Yeah, but hopefully, put you in a spot in which you can be able to beat Tampa for the division.
2: Absolutely, that's it. Just you know, these games are big. The next few, the next few, you know, couple weeks or so, and then, like you said, they they have a chance to, like you said, get fat. So keep just like Ray said before, win your games, and nothing else really matters. I think Eri's asleep. No, I'm watching.
1: Um. So, yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to say except Papa, my Papas of the Week. And I'm going to give two because we were in have last week. Ah. So of course, I think you guys probably know the names. we got to give it to the kid from the blocks, Andrew Velasquez, as one. And then you also have to give it to Luke Voigt, who is a man possessed right now. So, those are my two. And Josh won't give two because it's my gimmick. So, no. I'm
0: Josh, do you think you did two just <laughs> so that you didn't have I do. a chance to pick yes. one of those people? I do. We but I. <laughs>
1: Don't I should give two though? We weren't here a week. And I I mean, you weren't here for like three
0: straight weeks.
1: (laughs) Oh,
2: that's fair. No, no, no. The two is fair. At first I thought it was so that I wouldn't be able to give one, but then he said, you know, we we were off for a week. So it makes sense. No, You can give one. I'm going to give one. I'm not going to give two. And my one will go to nasty Nestor Cortez okay for the this reasons we three. already spoke it's a good
0: it. threesome I, li- I like that absolutely uh so any final thoughts any juicy stuff to tell us about it's still 1-1 in the game at the time that we're recording the podcast on monday but uh any other news or notes you Ray, you usually come in late no
1: uh, but not today i didn't come here today with any random. Movies.
0: what's happened on twitter anything
1: nothing, nothing really just
0: people talking about the games
1: yeah it's just a game there hasn't been any like cool nuggets or anything that i've seen all
0: right. so, I like that.
1: I don't got anything.
0: I dig yeah. that. All right. Well, uh, that's pretty exciting oh, for us. Oh, actually, I do have one thing. <laughs> oh, wow. See, no,
1: it's, it doesn't. It's not with us though. But it's the pirates. I think sent down. uh What's his name? This uh, isn't
0: a pirates podcast. Play park. Or, you
1: know? Yeah, I know, but it's related. Yeah, they sent. <laughs> Ford got designated
2: for us, but he just got he got picked, picked up by the Nats. Yes.
1: So
0: okay. there you go. My, and other
1: former
2: Yankees news. Larry yeah. Rothschild was the pitching coach of the Padres. He got fired today. I think we I think we covered all the ex-Yankee news. Yeah. Right there.
0: <laughs>
1: Ex, that's our thing now. A new thing. Ex-Yankees are on the block.
0: Yeah. So Larry Rothschild <laughs> is out of a job, and then uh Mike Ford was out of a job, and now he's back in a job. I can't believe that well, guy. So, <laughs> We'll we'll see what winds up happening, but for now, there is not a lot of New York Yankees news, and let's hope they take care of business and uh, get the job done against Atlanta and then get the job done against Oakland. That's going to do it for us here inside this episode of Our Little Yankees Podcast. As always, you can listen to a brand new episode of the pod wherever you find podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify Pod. We're on TuneIn. We're on SoundCloud. Wherever you listen, though, make sure you hit us. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a... uh, Uh, review and subscribe so that way you can keep listening to Olif each and every week and then we're also on YouTube and you can follow us on Twitter at Our Little Yanks Pod it's always exciting folks for Josh Levin, Eric Ray Sepulveda I'm Julian Coltry we'll catch you later go Yankees